you're listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the community one, of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I mentioned last week how great these recordings have been, and this one is no exception. We aim to make each episode about 30 minutes or so, but that's a bit of a nominal number. Thankfully, because this one goes over that, not because it's too long, it's because the conversation is so good. Our guests this week are Nikki Hoyland and Emma Roberts. Nikki is CEO and co-founder of Hula, and she describes herself as a tech, UX and data nerd. She has an unwavering passion for people, and for people-first approach to work technology. If you haven't caught it, her session at the Learning Technology Digital Experience last week is an excellent watch. The links, as always, will be in the show notes. Our second guest is Emma Roberts. Emma is Senior Lecturer in Law at the University of Chester and Director of Learning, Teaching and Transition. That's as well as being the Vice Chair of Tithen Mon, a charity which has been supporting adults with learning disabilities. Settle in to listen to two really smart people having a really smart conversation. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Nikki and Emma talking about community. Hi Emma, how are you doing? Nice to, uh, nice to get to have the opportunity to talk to you today. I'm good, thank you Nikki, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, uh, it's a Friday when we're doing this recording, so uh, storming into the weekend and uh, I'm pretty happy that... Uh, get to have a, a couple of days to, to, to unwind a bit. I think we were talking ahead of this call that sometimes it can be a, a bit relentless, can't it, in terms of work, work, work and being help, having the opportunity to switch off a touch. Yeah, that's right. I'm really glad to have an opportunity to be talking about this subject with you, actually, because in, in the kind of midst of the busyness of a week, you don't necessarily get time out to reflect on these broader issues. So it's uh, it's lovely to have this chat with you, Nikki. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the, the the topic itself and us getting to connect and know each other and have the opportunity to talk ahead of this call and hopefully extend our, our relationship after after today is is part of that community aspect right that I think we've 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 enabled over the the pandemic more of these connections that are intentional and looking at different ways to connect and explore with each other but I was sort of thinking and, and as we were talking earlier is what what's some of the best ways to to kick off the the conversation and I guess some of that's what does community mean to us in both broadly and in the, the context of the today's conversation? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting having had the discussion beforehand. And I think to a certain degree where we're kindred spirits in that we view <laughs> these things from the same perspective and have capitalised on opportunities to broaden our connections and therefore by virtue of that, um, our communities, I guess, over the last year. Um, but it's really interesting that we both come from very different perspectives on this, actually, because um, me being a purely an educator, my focus on building an online community has been to to be able to give something to my students to engage with over the over the last uh, year. First of all, pivoting online, taking our students to an online community that they wouldn't have experienced before. But then come October 2020, thinking, right, this has to be. Um, and I think the term we've used a number of times is purposeful and intentional so mm. that there's something for the students to to be able to feel a part of 
in the absence of a physical environment where they can actually see us live and breathe the, 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 the school community as such. Um, and of course, you're coming from a more commercial perspective, but there seemed to me a lot of synergies in what we were, we perceived to be community and how we as kind of leaders maybe within that role can help engage our users, whether they be students or whether they be uh, consumers. Yeah, I think it's a really good point because uh, there's so many consistent themes, isn't there? Regardless of whether that's whether we're talking about online communities that are one that you actively go and seek out yourself and then you're part of and you learn from that's not necessarily steered or, or led by your organization or your edu educational institution, um, or whether that's part of what your, your work um, provide for you or the course that you're part of provides for you, or as a leader, being, being involved with other leaders or other people that are, have the shared interest with yourself. Um, I think the important thing to remember there is the, the commonality across it all is that we're talking about human beings connecting. So we're not talking about algorithms. We're not talking about just, you know, just uh, soulless posts. We're talking about how to people find connection or people find connection and how you, you build on that. And as we talked about, how you make that intentional and purposeful that, you know, you're not just throwing something out into the ether and then you're sat kind of waiting. And then there's this, a bit of a digital anxiety that can creep in around how long might it take for somebody to reply and how am I perceived? And I think one of the, the, the discussions that, that we started to pull about uh, out a touch before was how do you initiate that sense of community such that it comes from a person with a sense of purpose and drive and goal for the, the group but isn't, doesn't feel like forced fun, doesn't feel like, oh, you have to have done these certain things at this certain point, and this is how frequently you have to check in, or this is the medium even that you need to do it in, because we are all, some of us will want to sit back and observe, some will want, you know, take a little bit of time to, to connect and start to find their place within the community. And then that's probably a, an interesting part of that commonality being human beings, but then how do we look at the different points of view and perspective of each individual to try to go, well, this is how you, you embrace that community metric, that it is about us all. It isn't about one. It's about that shared, shared voice and shared goal, I guess. Um, that, you know, I, I found it so interesting, your, your analogy that you gave, and I won't, I won't steal your thunder there. But <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was beautifully put. So I'll, I'll hand over to you with the, the clipboard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love the fact that you've mentioned there, which we didn't actually um, come to, I guess, in our previous conversation about, you know, you use the word human beings. And I think that's so key in understanding or, or, or beginning to generate thoughts about building a community online, which is that we're bringing human beings from the concept of community in a physical existence. Mm. and trying to bring that online and so what's really important there is the connectivity as you say and, and this I think is really where the synergy comes out in, in our understanding and our philosophy maybe behind the building of community um, in, in so much that this last year um, I, I took lessons forward from that initial pivot to online learning, engage with, with a tremendous amount of um, continued professional development over the summer to look to create a learning design for my students come October that gave them a connected learning experience so that despite the fact that I was simply a face on the screen to, to students joining us um, at the university for the very first time that I was uh, when I was connecting with them and I think the key to that is being present in their online world 
Um, and, and that beckons them to also be present and, and, and feel connected in that same way. Because ultimately what we're striving for is for them to identify and feel a sense of belonging within that community, which is new, a new community to them. And so it's really interesting that your perspective on this, because I don't know that I had consciously thought about the lessons learned from those more open communities that we engage with in a in a commercial or consumer setting um, and, and how those behaviours play out within the learning community as well mm -hmm. um you know we, we were talking about your, your involvement with with companies and and how you're helping to prepare them for for that you know ultimately that black community is open to to the world at large essentially isn't it in a, in a digital sense whereas the community that we were thinking about in an education setting is really kind of limited in terms of we know who those individuals are. And I think that the clipboard uh, analogy that you were talking about, I think there are two ways of looking at this. So in, in terms of ensuring that they, the students are engaging, it's about, you know, uh, being the one on the bus, if you will, and calling out those names before that bus leaves town again with, with, a, with a trip and ensuring that everybody's back on the bus before you take off. But also the, the second element of that is, you know, building a community to, to my thinking that the philosophy that goes to the heart of, of my approach to teaching is when I used to teach in, in the physical classroom and still the same now in an online community, I always think that there is some, as much to be learned from my perspective from my students as they can learn from my imparting of knowledge upon them, even if it's just a word or a, a behaviorism. Or, or just understanding somebody else's culture, um, albeit what I put to them is, is the subject knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important in an online community in particular, because um, building a community is about putting the hammer in the hand of one person and the paintbrush in the hand of another. And for that online community to be the product of your co-creation, mm -hmm. uh, which goes to the heart of kind of social constructivism of, of knowledge acquisition as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I absolutely love and will probably share it, uh, the analogy of, you know, everybody, some people will have the hammer, some people will have the paint version, but actually it's about that shared shared goal and that sense of we are all in this together. Um, and how do it, that might need the, the person with the clip called, clipboard to lead that slightly, but it is about the, the, the team dynamic rather than a hierarchical dynamic. Um, I think it's so interesting what what you say there around how we move that to online as well. I mean, my, my background's HR tech. I'm a huge HR tech nerd, love all things work tech. Um, it's what the business that I, 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 I'm in um, and the customers that we work with, it's, you know, it, how they provide digital to their people um, is, is that true blend of, of hybrid. And I think one of the things we, we, we talked about earlier and I've spoken a lot about over the past 14, 15 months is having to do these things during a lockdown when you can't have that face-to-face -face interaction um, versus how hybrid comes together outside and away from the pandemic are two very, very different things. And I think we're starting to decouple now, actually, how do we embrace this future of work or future of learning or future of community and experience and digital experience that is removed from the pandemic and takes all of the learnings that we've we've gone through, um, but doesn't anymore rely on this 
in my opinion, a little bit of laziness of well, we're just going to smash face to face into the construct of digital and just hope that it works um, because inevitably it doesn't. Right. And I think now the lockdown has started to ease. That's where you start to see this blend where actually we can use face to face and we use being together in the same space to be about connection, about intentional time together that builds relationship, it builds rapport that's a lot easier outside of just a digital community when it's around six times um, the amount of interactions digitally versus face-to-face -to, -face to build the same sense of trust um, with, with an individual. But I think there's so much we can learn about, I mean, you and I wouldn't have had the opportunities to do this pre-pandemic. I've made friends and connections and colleagues digitally that you you adapt right inside this digital space that isn't just how you would always do things from a face-to-face -face capacity I think one of the things that we touched on and I'm hugely passionate about is is widening that lens so because we are now with multiple different people across you know a distributed geography different mediums different backgrounds we get to experience other people's point of view and other people's worlds and be invited into other people's homes and, yeah. and work day. Um, and even though you may not always share the same opinion, um, perhaps as somebody, it's good to get their perspective because if you're only ever in your own community bubble and you're only ever surrounded by people that believe what you believe or have the same learning styles even, or the same personality types as, as you or have the same interests, your world will only ever be what you see. Absolutely. Um, and and the power of reach just enables that, right? Yeah, I mean, there's such a lot, isn't there, about diversity. But what is it that we actually mean by diversity? Surely um, by virtue of community bringing together different social economic groups, different cultures, yeah. you know, th there's such a lot to be learned there. And I think in terms of an education community, I think we just that's something I've really embraced this year and also resilience and tolerance of diversity is really important so that you're setting standards within that community of what level of conduct is okay because you're not in a physical environment where you can tap somebody's shoulder and say do you know what that's not okay here that's not how we do things mm -hmm. um, if there is any level of intolerance and I think community is about um, that compassion and care for others and being aware of different um, uh, perspectives. I just want to take it back for a second, though, in terms of uh, you saying, and, and it's really uh, str struck a chord with me, in terms of you saying, you know, where are we moving forward from here? I mean, the reality is, in whatever context, whether it be commercial or indeed education, we've come such a long way over the last year um, in terms of what we're doing. And it's arguably you'd say, well, why were we doing these things in this way before? Because we have the technology to achieve it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, um, what, what we have achieved, we've got these communities online now. And now that we're moving towards coming out of, of lockdown and coming out of the restrictions on our ability to, to move around and, and go, go back, if you will, um, to the ways that we, we did things before, it would be um, silly of us not to embrace just how far we've upskilled ourselves. And mm -hmm. I'm certainly finding that in education because, you know, and it was it was really an eye opener to speak to you uh, before this recording about the things that you've achieved in in a commercial setting. You know, it almost feels like in the past we've been 
generating subject knowledge in our students and a certainly work-based learning skills in our students, but where we're really preparing them in terms of the digitalized world in which they would ultimately be working at the end of their degrees. So I think we've got greater potential than ever before to achieve that now. And when you say, you know, um, the, the, the initial transition from what we used to do before, you know, the pre-COVID into what we achieved now, um, I think my feeling on this was it, it's it's not enough and it's not good enough actually for our students who are ultimately consumers. Mm -hmm. It's not good enough to say, well, we'll bring online what we did in the classroom. Mm -hmm. My approach to this has been, we need to throw all the pieces into the air and see where they land and see what new construction, new, new jigsaw piece we can create with those pieces to be able to give a really connected learning experience online. Um, and, and in that regard, I think when you spoke about connectivity and that diversity, we as learning designers as well need to stay connected. And you're quite right, we would never have, have, have had this wonderful conversation beforehand, if not only because of the logistics of having to come together in the same physical space. That would have been a day out of, of my work. Um, whereas, you know, we, we, we instead are able to, to draw connections and I'm already learning a lot about how we can bring conducts and, and, and learning from the, the commercial into the education sector mm -hmm. um, that we would never have been able to, to draw upon before because like you say it's through LinkedIn and, and such social media platforms that we're able to find people not necessarily people that would be in your immediate network but there's so much learning to be had from one sector to the other yeah yeah it, it, it it's so so important that we we don't go backwards just because that's what's easier to step back to what we were all perhaps familiar with and the, the comfort in how the, the experiences that we've all gone through over the past sort of 14 months and how we how easy it could be to go back to well this feels safe and it feels back to something that I know when actually we forget all of the brilliant things that we've been able to, to, to do across a digital space. And I think it's it's that tech adoption that within the first three months of pandemic, we saw the adoption to technology that was equivalent of three years. And that wasn't with the tech that changed, it was because people had to change, they had no choice, they had to embrace and adopt something different. Um, and we saw this real surge in people starting to use tools that we would have perhaps used in their personal life inside of work to enable community and enable um, uh, a gathering in a digital space and enable um, commenting and sharing and collaboration that they didn't do before and vice versa from sort of personal and, and, and then into work too and then these boundaries sort of got crossed slightly and I think it, this conversation for me is so interesting because my lens is, is very much inside the, the world of work and the future of work. And I think we need to start to look at actually how does, how I interact in personal communities. So whether that's sports teams that I'm a fan of and I interact with people across social media groups where we all have a shared passion and drive for a certain team or a certain, um, we're all part of a, an online cooking group or whatever that might be, that's again, sense of community. How do we look at the, the social use that's personal into education and then into the world of work? And how do we ensure that the tools that, that we use feel easy to be quite, um, to, 
to, to be fluid in our lives and grease that conversation to enable the sense of connection and community um, rather than some of the tools be a little bit clunky when you move outside of personal and then into work or outside of personal and in, into education. I think there's a there's an absolute duty from the tech that, that we provide that just makes that easy and, and makes it seamless. Um, we also need to explore different mediums. So I think we're all familiar with face-to-face -face as a sense of community. We're all familiar with then uh, some kind of instant messaging or uh, channel sort of platform where you can comment and thread and so on. But what about things like Clubhouse or Twitter spaces that they've started to bring out actually just voice mediums where it's a different lens on it's not text-based it's not video-based but actually we're starting to connect with people in different ways that drop some of the I guess the expectation and the some of the effort behind either video or text or um, allows collaboration with people you wouldn't have ever met because you're not connected to their network and this yeah. is something that's so interesting for me with the sense of community because many of the platforms we have allow us to connect with people that we know so they allow us to connect with, you know, either a, a second connection or a third connection or a connection that you, you were already established with where something like a, a clubhouse or open forums um, do allow that. But, you know, and that extends that lens, doesn't it, of I don't know you, but actually we do have this shared commonality and we're going to learn from each other. And to, to pull back from some of what you said earlier, even if that's only a, a snippet or a word or a, a post or a blog or something that you can go actually that's really interesting to me I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to that and then you know start to pick that apart in my world as well um, yeah. so I think it we, we do have that that sense of how do we enable technology across communities but how do we understand that there's different voices there's different generations there's different um, mediums there's different individuals that we're talking to and that how do you come out of personal into education then into a bit of personal and then into work? It's a, yeah, a, I think there's a lot going on. <laughs> you're, you're drawing a lot of the concepts that I've been kind of thinking about throughout this year, actually. Um, and certainly the pre kind of designing of, of the module that I ran intensely at the start of, of our students first year um, in, in October last year. It, when you talk about these broader communities, I suppose, you know, we're exchanging knowledge and understanding here right now, and we're connecting on that level. So we found the commonality in, in really quite diverse worlds of work and, and, and what community means to us in those different, different arenas, if you will. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about the sport example and so on, and I'm thinking about, you know, the football fan who's now missing the live games, mm -hmm. they may go to those games alone. And yet within that, that um, stadium, there is the idea that, you know they're a part of that community mm -hmm. so what is it that what is the perhaps the x factor that creates that sense that that undercurrent well it's the fact that they can identify with those people around around them and therefore they feel a sense of belonging with that within that community and, and with that comes the, the feeling of reward if you like for if they if they have turned up alone to that stadium that they celebrate a goal with those peers peers next to them that they that they create that sense of, of of shared belonging with one another 
And I think that too, in an online community can be replicated. So things like, you know, posting something onto Twitter and getting those likes, that that sense of reward, but also that sense of recognition that they exist within that same virtual community at the same time. So that could be um, synchronous or asynchronous in so much that you can post something and that may be liked whilst you're sleeping because that like is coming from Hong Kong maybe and that you're not in the same community at the same time but you are achieving that sense of connectivity um, and, and it's really interesting that you do talk about the sports community because over the last year what we've, we've actually seen is you know for my example, I've been engaging with my students within their their scheduled learning sessions and so on, and that they get that connectivity, that reward, that recognition, that that which creates a sense of belonging. But actually, we've been moving up from one community to another without physically moving at all. So yeah. just before this call now, I was connecting with my, my legal academic colleagues um, in, in, a, in a kind of a social network where we were chatting and then I came into this call. So we are, we are transforming our own identities from mm -hmm. one community to the other. Um, and I think that, this, that that's really interesting because it goes back to the idea of diversity because what I'm bringing to this conversation now is a reflection of what I've just been discussing with my legal academic yeah. colleagues. Yeah, and it's that, it's that commonality, isn't it? So you may be a member of a multitude of different communities, but within each of them, there might be commonality that's different, but is shared amongst that, that collective of, of people. And I think that, you know, that taking the sport example, one of the things that people have started to, to, to look to do in services such as BT Sport and so on, they've gone, actually, how do we create that sense of experience in a community, um, which again ties into education, ties into the world of work, because they've started these watching parties. So now even on like Amazon Prime, you can have a watch party so that rather than be sat on the sofa with somebody or some friends, we can actually be in this shared space where we do something together. And I think that taps in for me around how community has to have a sense of experience. It has to have a sense of something that's that, that's more than just the, the text I read, the voice I listen to, the, the information that I, I take in because I have to connect with it. I have to have that shared sense of purpose, that shared sense of goal, that shared sense of um, uh, values or, or, or beliefs or, or what we're all working towards together, but that has to come through in, in experience. Um, and as we move out of, of the pandemic, I think how we create experiences in face-to-face -face will be so key. So as an example, and I, and I have, I talk about this a lot, if you think about the, the concept of going to the gym um, or going to a spin class and driving to the gym and having to go into the chain room, find a parking space, wait for the class, finish the class, use the shower, drive home. You're not going to do that if you can jump on a Peloton and just nip next door and do it. But you are going to do it if you want the sense of experience because you're meeting a friend or you're going for lunch, or you're going for coffee, or you want the lights and you want the, 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 the multitude of people around you to, to drive and push you. Um, and I think that's what we need to remember across communities is where across different digital mediums or face-to-face -face mediums, do you bring in that sense of, of experience and connection with somebody that is very, very intentional. It's not passive, it's 
everybody collaborating together in a shared voice with a shared sense of purpose. And that for me is what, what community is and what learning in community is. It's about that, that collective goal and how we all get there, perhaps at different pace, um, and perhaps through different experience and different lenses, but it is that shared commonality um, that's perhaps different to, you know, um, taking away learning uh, to, to do individually or as, you know, um, community that's that's more just sort of self-led. I think it's I think it's about that, that how we come together and how we don't make that forced fun either, because I think that can border a little bit on community, too, that it does become a bit of this a force construct of oh this is how frequently we do things or we'll all get together and do this on this day that then kind of loses that sense of spirit that I think yeah. that's probably actually quite key in community for me about about the spirit yeah absolutely I was just thinking when you, you you started talking about that though in terms of you know what we do in order to connect with something now when, when I mentioned earlier it can be synchronous or asynchronous you know we can read a novel and connect with that story can't we but mm. I, I guess in, in digital terms, we almost need to take that further so that we're not just, say, reading a particular blog or an article, but that we connect in the forums afterwards. Mm. And I think that's the, the, the difference, isn't it, between um, perhaps what we have traditionally viewed to be a, a community as opposed to what we, we, we view to be an online community now. And when you're talking about the difference between the peloton and the actual going to the, the, the classes, I think what we're hearing increasingly now is that that's what people are missing. You know, I can't wait to go to the gym again so that I can see my friends or whatever. It's not the actual exercise that they're missing because that can be achieved in different means. But it is that sense of belonging and, and, and being able to identify and shared experiences is, is a, a, a really interesting thing. You know, um, when I mentioned earlier that I've come just just out of a networking um, a session with, with other legal academics across the UK, what we're missing is the conferences, but the sharing of knowledge and sharing of good practice can be achieved online. What we're actually missing is the conversations that come out from the, the coffee breaks, you know, those, those mutterings that, that arise from the coffee table, as opposed to the sharing of the presentations and so on. And I'm seeing that in, in many of the committees that I serve on as well. So, yes, we're getting business done, but we're not getting those peripheral conversations yeah. that arise from arriving at the same time, arriving a bit early, having those conversations albeit about the weather at times but those are the things that are shared that are shared within the community and I just wonder in terms of your thoughts then on does building a community online in any way come at the cost of the community that we have in physical terms so I'm thinking in particular over the last year yes you and I in in, in terms of trying as best we can to be business as usual in getting things converted to being online but we've also seen some really interesting examples of community building um out outdoors haven't we like the, the clapping for the nhs and this sense of we are in it together we are going through this adversity and we will come together for the shared experience what are your thoughts on that nikki yeah i, I think it's a brilliant brilliant question and, and that with a lot of, of things here, I don't think there is a one size fits all, um, but I do think it's really, really important to remember, did the community start in face-to-face -face that then has evolved online because it's had to, or has it 
been seeded from online and completely virtual. And the two are very different because even when you look at onboarding, if you've met somebody in your team and you've had the opportunity to, to be with them and build a team and then you go fully digital, you've already established trust and knowledge and you know each other and you've got a sense of each other and those micro interactions that happen when you're together, whether that's uh, physical sort of prompts that you see from, from somebody or those, those smaller serendipitous organic conversations that happen that you don't schedule, they happen when you're grabbing yeah. a coffee or you're, you're on your way out to the car park or whatever that might be versus I've never actually met that individual because we've only ever seen each other through a screen. And I think the two are, are very different and they build differently. But what we tend to try to do is force them into one. Um, and I, I think as we, again, as we move out of the pandemic, we're, we're then in a place where we, that you can have that blend of where it's it's purposeful, it's event driven, it's a sense of experience and shared experience that might be um, emotional or it's a celebration or it's a time to come together versus actually we're just sitting on a screen with headphones in, even though we're in the same space. And that for me is where that's not intentional we've fallen into those habits of digital, but then we come together and we still try to force digital in face to face. Um, and I think that from a community sense, uh, both in the workplace and education, will be interesting to see how hybrid gets that right in a sense of when you've got people at home dialing in and then you've got people in a physical space together, that's again, very different to either we're all in it together because mm -hmm. we're, we're physically here or we're all digital. Um, and I think, you know, you tend to see this, if somebody is dialing in, everybody just looks up at the screen. So they lose that um, body language and connection with each other because we're just reverting to the, the digital medium in the room. Um, there's some brilliant, interesting uh, stuff coming out from the likes of Google of how they're engineering their office spaces to really, really embrace hybrid so that screens are at, you know, a shoulder level rather than everybody looking up. Um, so that work pods can be established and people can come together and have people on screens in the same space. They've got these campfire ideas of meetings that is about, again, it's about that community and that sense of togetherness, but includes those that that, that are perhaps um, dialing in or, or on virtual platforms, which I think is then so important when we look at diversity and inclusion that we don't then start to lose those voices that have been enabled yeah. and opened up um, just because we're saying actually everybody has to be in a physical space or everybody has to be, um, you know, within the, within the room and, and, and physically there. And I think it's a, it's going to be an interesting period of time to take the lessons that we've learned and realize that there isn't one size fits all, realize that it will evolve it will, it will adapt and it will change um, for the people that uh, either in your, your, your communities or your places of work or even your personal communities, it will change and it will adapt. And that's because people are different. The topics are different. The, the situation will be different. And I think the more we communicate with each other, especially across communities, and we're, we're honest about what we're learning and what we're, we're going through, I think that communication is key. Um, to, to how we get this right and how we don't just fall back to the habits of, you know, of days gone by where we go, well, it's just easier to do this. I absolutely agree with that. And, and you mentioned the term onboarding. Now, onboarding, I, I imagine, is something that was done previously and kind of bringing somebody new into an organisation, but that it's taken on a different guise. And, and I'd, I'd like to hear more as to how that's been achieved in digital terms. 
because to me it, it strikes a chord in relation to the induction that we give our students um, and the induction into to, to some degree can be about you know introducing them to the process and so on but actually in in a different way now especially moving towards a blended learning model that has to be a little bit different so that 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 goes beyond the processes and the policies that it becomes a, 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 a point of embracing new students, new consumers in a commercial setting into that community. And just going back also to the point that I made earlier about, you know, moving from one community to the other. And this idea that I just hung up on one group and then entered into this new group and the fact that we're transitioning from one community to the other. And that's something that's really um, topical in education terms is how we are supporting students to transition perhaps from one level to the other, from one um, um, discipline to the other. And I think there's a lot there about multimodal um, learning or multimodal experiences, isn't there? So it, it, could you talk me through a bit about the, the onboarding experiences, yeah. that you've seen, particularly the ones that are successful, but also the ones that may not have been that successful over the last year? And what learning can you take forward from that? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a great point. And there's there's some people that have, have done it brilliantly and there's there's people that are still figuring that out and it will continually evolve. And I think the thing we need to remember is when that, that's virtual, the sense of actually community earlier is so important because if you don't know what you don't know, which is one of my favorite sayings ever, um, is how do you connect with somebody that's gone through that experience either just recently or is in it with you or who do you ask when it's that that stupid question that you're not sat next to somebody to go, I really don't know how to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, like who, who do I speak to? And I think if people can have that shared experience because it is unknown and it is, you know, how do you, you bring people together to take that continued learning? Um, and I love the idea that through onboarding, the person that's just gone before you lets you know something that they learned in their first week that was absolutely, you know, really, really valuable to them and that they want to share. So you get this kind of relay race of, of knowledge so and information. A, a mentoring system in place yeah, there. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you could keep it a bit looser than mentoring, but I think absolutely the principle of you've got a buddy or you've got something to, to, to talk to that, you know, can, can share that knowledge with you. Um, and, and, and I find that really interesting what you mentioned there around how we can switch from these different communities that we're part of and the nature and the pace that we're working at the moment doesn't allow for that gap. So you, you're switching from community learning and um, to, to across the different groups. And much like we tend to go meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, mm -hmm. actually, how do we enable that pause? How do we enable those moments of thought and reflection? Um, how do we enable that time to just digest a little bit and then come back to the community with, you know, a, a, a point of view or... Yeah, um, because... You know, moving from those different communities and I think there was a lot of talk about this in the first place um when we were you know we were connecting with our families and friends as well as trying to 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 work at the same time in these online communities and you know people people were, were overwhelmed by the by the um fact that they were were transitioning and it was almost like you would speak and behave differently with your family 
So that kind of identity would formulate as you were pulling up to your parents, for example, because you almost a different identity to your professional identity. But the reality is that transitioning didn't take a physical form. And instead, you were taking every single community transition from the, your seat inside your study or your lounge space so there was a, a danger to begin with that that was overwhelming and I have to admit to being one of these people who uh, really capitalized on the fact that I didn't need to allow an hour to travel to get to a certain meeting so I would end up and I to a certain degree I still do I end up going from one meeting to the other and you're, you're right to say that there isn't that that ability to stop and think and, and reconfigure, recalibrate maybe the identity that you're taking into that new community. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the pause button is a, uh, the pause yeah. really important because I have recently been thinking, you know, today I just need to press that big red button and pause yeah. and stop that hurly-burly action yeah. of moving from one thing to the other. I think it's that, that one to another and also the way that it's, how we communicate with each other. So within one um, communal group that you're part of, you might use certain tools where you're very back and forth and it you know each other a lot more. So, you know, you can drop some of the sense of um, professionalism or the way that you communicate and, and, and so on. Whereas you might move to another group where actually it is a little bit more formal because you haven't got that sense of relationship or the topic's different or the medium's different. Um, and I do think that time to, to pause is so important. Um, and, and I guess right, uh, over the next 12 months, we're going we're gonna to figure out this next step and this next journey and how that yeah. continues to evolve. And I just, I just really, really hope we don't... My thoughts on this then is, you know, it's really interesting to have this conversation today. And I've said to you previously, you know, we would never have connected otherwise. However, um, what I'm, I'm, I'm learning such a lot here as to those lessons that we can apply from one sector or from one aspect of life, I guess, into another. Um, and over the last year, I've been really fortunate in that I've been able to connect with people that I would have said, OK, well, let's, let's catch up next summer um, because maybe they've moved to another another country or, or it wouldn't have been possible to connect with them quite so frequently. Um, and, and I've been able to bounce off ideas about learning design with colleagues from further afield than I would normally uh, be able to. So it's been really fascinating to hear your thoughts. And, and I'm already thinking about what lessons I can take forward from your experiences into my teaching. Because ultimately, when we are preparing students for the working world, we need to be sharing these um, experiences, you know, and, 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 and seeing the transferability of of behaviorism, I guess, from different different areas. On that point, I just wondered whether you had any thoughts actually on, because we've spoken about the physical communities and the importance of connecting, because we can see the whites of people's eyes, I guess, um, as opposed to personalities. It, some personalities been able to translate better online than others. One of the things that was really quite a, a, a topical subject when we first moved online in education terms was uses of cameras and how mm. it was quite demoralizing for some teachers to be faced with in teams, you know, a face, a, a page full of, of initials as opposed to actual faces. Um, and I, I just wondered whether your experiences were similar in that regard, because 
my approach to this, and I've spoken already about my pedagogy of compassion, I know that there will be reasons why my students don't want to appear on camera that day, whether it's for mm. personal reasons, whether it's because yeah. of their, their uh, self-esteem, that, you know, um, all, all of these things about not wanting to share their home community, because it can be yeah. intrusive. And so um, I wondered what your experiences was of that, because you must have overcome that with with new colleagues coming on board, how comfortable were they with that? Um, I think it goes back to what we've said already, any interaction online has to be purposeful. So yeah. I've built teaching um, um, activities so that they can see the benefit of appearing on screen and only then can we persuade them over that, over that um, um, continuum, if you like, of not wanting to show themselves on screen, not seeing the point of it, all the way through to, there's a purpose to this and I can gain something from appearing in that community. Yeah, I totally agree. And firstly, Emma, apologies for any 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 loud banging that you started to hear. Of course, next door have started putting up scaffolding just when we're doing this recording. Why would they not? Well, these um, are the things that we've had to <laughs> learn community with the last year. My dog hasn't made an appearance so far. <laughs> and, and this is the thing, isn't it? When we invite people into our homes, that's figuratively and literally like, you know, you're, you're here with me as, as scaffolding is, is, is going up. Um, and I think as soon as we start to communicate to people as to why. So I I have um, uh, a problem with kind of camera always on organizations that they're doing that in a monitoring sense, because I feel like that becomes very big brother and you lose the angle of why. Whereas I think if that's about community and that's about body language, that's about expression and passion and making sure that people are still engaged and you're not losing people uh, because that can happen really quickly in a face-to-face -face room right we you know we all learn at a different pace um people might not want to just sort of put their hand up and say actually can you can you cover that again because i i'm not i've not got the foundation of knowledge here that you perhaps think i have so i think if it's explained as to why we want cameras on and we want to enable that connection that as you you rightly say is really purposeful and intentional it's not just you know, we're doing it so, you know, that we can check you there or you're not in your pyjamas or, or whatever that might be. But it, again, it's communicated as to why. Um, I think it's it's hugely important because you, you know, you do lose even not, you know, not being in the same room as somebody, you lose that that physical connection and those small, that small body language and micro interactions that happen. And then if you strip that away again, when pulling all the way back, we're talking about human beings, we're talking about experience. We're talking about spirit and shared shared community and shared purpose. That's very difficult to translate through just text or just voice. I'm not saying it's not possible across a, a, a breadth of mediums, but it's about how you mix those mediums together, I think. And if the point is you want in video and you're not just wanting a audio call or a clubhouse room, the purpose is video and the purpose is connection or the purpose is coming together in a physical space that then isn't just people sitting with headphones on and sitting side by side, but still engaging across digital. Um, so I think, again, it's about what's right for the situation and that there isn't that one size um, fits all. Have you seen that with students, though, that there's a there's a want to perhaps not have uh, a camera on either all the time or, or, or even full stop have you well have you there's been a real reticence to have the cameras on I think generally speaking but I think that that from a, a, a learning designer perspective 
I often think that the onus to turn that around is down to us. I mean, I created a game show for my students whereby there was a purpose to them having the cameras on because they had to show items to the screen. And I thought it was quite disingenuous to just say to students, you need to be in this classroom and you need to appear on screen. We've got to make it pur purposeful um, and, and also be compassionate at the same time to individual circumstances. So when you say, you know, there'll be a reason for them not wanting to show their homes or to show themselves on a particular day, we've got to be understanding and empathetic to those circumstances. I'm also thinking about, you know, the diversity of our student body, whereby you might have a person who has um, caring or, or parenting responsibilities yeah. and they would be more inclined to maybe chip into that you know come to that session of a day whereas under normal circumstances they say I can't make today's session because I need to look after my child so I think that we, we've got to set our own parameters as well in that we are you know the, the, you drew upon a lot of the themes that we've touched upon today in, in your response there and another one is this pausing you know, the pressing on the button saying, Do you know what, it's yeah. okay, I'm available today, but I can't make, I can't physically connect today. I can't, I can't bring my brain to connect yeah. because I'm exhausted, yeah. you know, or, or, or I've got other things going on and it's okay. I think we've got to take, be, be compassionate to ourselves in that regard is, is really important. Yeah. I and agree. that point you made about foundational knowledge and assumptions of foundational knowledge and maybe the body language not translating online in the same way so that you can you know look a bit miffed at certain points and then people check oh you didn't understand that can we can we go back to that mm. that's all the more difficult when actually maybe all you see is nine members of your group on screen so mm. you don't know who's not yeah. who's not with you and to go back to our original analogy is who's not made it back on the bus before that bus leaves town yeah, and so yeah. it's so important to check in and a part of the connectivity that we've been talking about today, I think, is about just saying, you know, that that broader question is, is anybody out there? So yeah. you may not be connecting at the same time, like I gave the example of a like or a, a reaction to an online post from from somebody in a different time zone. But it's important to make sure that we are on the same same page yeah. as we would achieve in, an, in a classroom or in a in a training room by simply saying right are we all okay you know yeah. and it's important that we do find ways I think in an online community to achieve that same end yeah. but that we're at the same time flexible yeah I agree and I, and I think that that's the sort of the key there isn't it it's flexibility it's that there isn't one size fits all and I think the future of work enables distributed workforces which enables more talent it enables more diversity and it's the same with learning communities it's the same with education it's the same with the community you're part of that digital enables this breadth right it enables more people broader lens um wider geographical locations time zones don't become a problem um because we are all in this shared virtual space but i think it's about that intentional connection when that comes face to face or the intent behind virtual or the uh, behind the blend and how do we how do we communicate that with people and constantly adapt pivot and change and embrace that in in this new new future of, of true hybrid but it's one i'm excited for anyway i am i'm equally excited and i'm particularly excited as of today to take forward the lessons I've learned from conversing with you about these things, because I don't know that I was that conscious before that there are lessons to be learned from our general lives, whether it's online banking 
or you know um asking for tech support because our machinery has, has, has um created an error or something and how we can take lessons from those interactions into the learning community because actually is it not the case that we're always learning whether it's social interaction yeah. in the shop yeah. it's always a learning experience yeah. So now that everything um, has some digital element to it, I think there is such transferability. But I love the fact that we share that that same philosophy of we've got to make it personal. Let's make it count. And if we're going to connect, let's take something forward from it. And I'm certainly taking a lot forward from having spoken to you today, Nikki. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. I absolutely loved it. And thanks, Andrew, for the opportunity for having us both. I really hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. <laughs> There's a phrase I use, um, and this chat <laughs> fits that perfectly, which is that it was so far up my street, it's parked in my front garden. <laughs> there are elements here across tribes, belonging, community, asynchronous, um, that I'm going to have to go back to many times. This was such a great conversation to be part of, and just sitting in the room and just being able to absorb the conversation was just wonderful. Massive thanks to Nikki and Emma for such a sparkling and informed conversation. If you want to be a guest or know someone else who might want to be a guest, please let us know. We're going to be recording again soon and we've got some great areas to be discussed. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. You'll also find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and other music streaming services. Make sure to like and subscribe. It helps more people find us. You can find out more about Women Talking About Learning via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more Women Talking About Learning more of the signal and none of the noise.